Hi, this is John Eskelson. I'm the host of Section Hiking the Appalachian Trail, and I'm really excited to be here today with you. Today, we're discussing the hike between Caledonia State Park in Pennsylvania and Penmar County Park, just south of the Mason-Dixon line in Maryland. This is a fun and pretty hike with some really great views from Chimney Rocks about eight miles into the trail. To orient ourselves to the AT at this point, most of this hike goes through the Michaux State Forest in Pennsylvania. I think I might have misstated the, how you say that. Maybe it's Michoud? Michaud? There are some portions here that are owned by the federal government or from private landowners. But the bulk of the time we're going to be spent uh, for the next 60 miles in southern Pennsylvania through this large forest. From Penmar, the Michoud Forest uh, heads north from the Pennsylvania state line north towards Boiling Springs, Pennsylvania. Essentially, this is the northernmost portion of the Blue Ridge Mountains. This forest is well-loved, and people use it for all sorts of endeavors, including mountain biking, hiking, camping, hunting, fishing, horseback riding, and so forth. Uh, there's a forest academy in the forest training Pennsylvania's next generation of professional foresters. Uh, the forest is about 85,000 acres large, and it used to be, in the 19th century, um, a place where they used large iron furnaces to produce iron ore. And you'll see the impact of these iron furnaces throughout the trail um, in these next few sections. Uh, the state started to buy up the forest and turn it into a state forest in 1901 uh, with a majority of the land purchased in the 1930s. The route on this part of the trail is pretty straightforward. The section was about 18 miles total to hike. Uh, it's full of ups and downs with a number of flatter stretches as well. We begin by hiking up the aptly named Rocky Mountain several hundred feet over the course of the first four-ish miles. Don't confuse it though with the Rocky Mountains in the west. This is not a giant mountain. You start around 930 feet above sea level, and by mile four, you're about twice the distance up at 1,800 feet. It's not very severe, but it is steady. The trail has some really rocky areas with large quartz-like boulders over and above along the ridgeline, and you'll go through them from time to time, but mostly they'll be on the eastern side of you and the trail um, once you get to the top of the hill. Moving north to south, we entered the trail along Route 30, just south of Caledonia State Park, uh, which we'll talk more about in the next episode. If you were to head northbound on the trail, we are at mile marker 1084.3. At three miles in, there's a blue blazer trail that will take you to your left to the Rocky Mountain Shelter. The shelter is in really good shape. There's water there, however. Uh, we didn't check out the water uh, at the shelter. We are told that right now, anyway, um, it's, it's in August and it's the drier part of the year, that the upper spring was dry. However, the water lower down the hill 
um, and the lower spring is still available. Uh, but we had gotten a late start in the day, and so we didn't stop to check it out. Along the path, as is true of other areas we've hiked in southern Pennsylvania, there are a number of established campsites along the side of the trail. About mile five, we stopped for the night. It was about 7.30 p.m. and we wanted to get camp set up before it got dark just after eight-ish. The night was dry and we slept without tent flies. It was warm, you know, because it was August. Uh, so we ate dinner, built a campfire, talked, and then slept. The next morning we arose around seven-ish in the morning and we broke camp ate breakfast, and set out just before eight. When we moved along the trail, uh, at this point, we climbed to nearly 2,100 feet above sea level, just at the top of the hill. At about mile 6.5, or mile marker 1,076, we stopped at Chimney Rocks. There are some terrific campsites here, albeit no water sources. But more importantly, there is a terrific view of to the east. It is really beautiful. The rocks themselves are beautiful. They have this like carved look to them. Um, and it's just really fun to take a break here and, and just kind of catch your breath and take a look of, uh, at the nature all around you. From Chimney Rock, the trail begins to descend sharply for southbound travelers for the next two miles. It's a sizable incline for those heading northbound. We passed a clean and very well-maintained tumbling run shelter at mile marker 1074.7, which is adjacent to a good-sized stream in a very nice and rather strong spring. There are two shelters at tumbling run. One is labeled for snorers and the other is labeled for those who do not snore. Uh, we filled up our water there in the spring and then moved on. Shortly afterwards, or shortly after that, we arrived at Old Forge Park, which is a beautiful park with lots of green space. Um, it also has water and it has a pit toilet, which wasn't super clean when I went into it initially, but it was cleaner after I left. Uh, there's apparently a shelter somewhere nearby along the Antietam River called the Antietam Shelter, but we didn't see it. Uh, we didn't look for it too hard either, but we didn't see it. There's lots of campsites in the area though, and they seemed pretty well established with uh, fire rings and the river nearby. About two and a half miles later, we came to the Deer Lick Shelter and took a break. It's at mile marker 1071.1 and it also has a spring near it. The shelter was in great shape although it appeared to have more spider webs than the others uh, where there weren't uh, any spider webs. I don't know if this shelter is used as much as some of the other ones. It was a little weird because this route doesn't have any water sources for the 10 miles of the trip um, once you leave Caledonia and then suddenly there are several all right in a row. It'd be nice if they had been spaced out better, but you know, I guess that's what happens when you go into nature. Um, if we were to do it over again, um, we probably would have started at some place like Old Forge or um, one of the lots nearby where there was, you know, water 
and head headed northbound to Caledonia or stopped at Caledonia, made sure all the water was there and then pushed further along quicker uh, than we did. Fortunately, we all brought a lot of water with us and we, it wasn't really a problem. After the Deer Lick Shelter, there are two hills you have to climb other, over. The first one, just before Metzler Gap, isn't too bad. The jaunt to the hill, the jaunt to the top is pretty easy. The second one, Mount Dunlop, isn't a mountain, and again, it's just a hill, but it takes its time getting to the top. Uh, we encountered several groups of hikers heading northbound from Penmark who thought they had traveled much further than they actually did because on the other side, heading south and then and conversely heading up, it's just a really long ascent. You take a, it takes you a couple miles and you end up at the Falls Creek footbridge um, down at the bottom. It's a daunting way to start your trip if you're to head northbound, going from Falls Creek all the way to the top of Mount Dunlop. But once you get past it, it's a pretty easy hike. Uh, we were definitely happy that we went, were southbound. From there, it's just a hop, skip, and a bit of a climb up the hill and across some railroad tracks to Penmar County Park in Maryland. It's a beautiful park as well with lots of facilities and in a non-COVID time has refreshments and first aid. You know, it's a really nice place to spend a couple of hours if you're uh, through hiking the Appalachian Trail. Uh, get rested up, eat some snacks and some other fatty foods, and and just rest and take in uh, the views that they have in the park, which are really beautiful. Uh, they look north northward. Uh, so all told, we spent about seven hours hiking with probably about an hour, hour and a half worth of breaks scattered across the day as we did 12 miles in one day. Had we been continuing on, we could have made the Raven Rock Shelter four miles further down the road by dinner time and had a good evening. Instead, we hopped in the car and went and got some burgers. Now, if I was going to do this hike again, I guess this is the second time I've thought about this, I wouldn't have done it the way we did it this time. Because we're middle-aged guys with jobs, we didn't get started until after 4 p.m. on a Friday afternoon. Then we hiked from roughly uh, 8 a.m. to 3 p.m. the next day on Saturday to get to Penmar. I would have started earlier in the afternoon on Friday in order to get all the way to Chimney Rock, but it worked out fine and all was good. So that was the hike. The next question, my dear listener, is how did the camping itself go? The camping, by any stretch of the imagination, was, was really fine. I brought my Jetboil Minimo because I was only reheating water and was sharing the stove with my buddy Martin who had come with us to this time. It's a little heavier than what I normally carry, uh, but was I was carrying for two on this trip. Uh, it did its job of boiling water really well. What didn't work, however, was what I had for dinner. Actually, the recipe itself is fine. Uh, I made the um, ra peanut ramen dish from Andrew Skirka's uh, website. Uh, which is basically ramen noodles with a Thai peanut sauce and cashews on top. I really like it. Um, the sauce is really tasty. But I left too much water in the pot after cooking the noodles, and the sauce kind of dissipated the taste. 
So it was just kind of tasted like um, peanut butter colored water um, with uh, with ramen noodles. That wasn't so good. Something else that didn't work out as great as I hoped um, was my Sawyer Mini. I've had it for several years, and so it's probably time to get another one. But it needed some odd adjustments in order to ensure it did not leak when I filled water bottles. That wasn't very enjoyable. But other than that, things worked great. Something that really worked well on the food front, um, I joined uh, the website at Backpack, I think it's backcountryfoodie.com. Um, and she has a whole list of uh, nutritious backpacking uh, recipes. And I made one that was a black bean dip. First of all, it's delicious when you make it up all the way. Um, and then you dehydrate it. And then when it rehydrated, um, it was... It was really, really great. What a f fantastic recipe. You can dip a variety of things in it. Um, I brought some Fritos, and that was uh, really good. I, I'm really super happy about how that turned out. Oh, um, and the burger joint we went to was at the start of the hike because that's where my buddy Alex had uh, parked his car. And so the joint, uh, the burger joint was called Bonfire Burgers and Ice Cream. The burgers are actually really great. And the fries, well, they're so-so, but they give you a lot. Uh, the onion rings are really delicious and greasy. And the onion and the ice cream is also quite good. So I give that place uh, two thumbs up. So as you can understand, at the end of 18 miles, we were pretty tired. Um, and, uh, you know, I guess that's to be expected but it was really kind of a fulfilling um, trip to go on. Because we're heading southbound, our next effort is going to be the state of Maryland. It's 43 miles, and we hope to do it in one weekend. We'll see how that goes. Um, so I'd like to end the podcast with a question I got last week from a friend who lives in Washington State. She and her husband would like to get into backpacking, but like so many of us, she's been researching on the internet and has found it quite daunting to determine what is really needed and what isn't required. It's especially daunting because when you see, you know, YouTube and Instagrams of full-time backpackers, um, they really start to really focus on like the technical aspects of a certain piece of gear or, you know, how light it is versus you know, it's functionality and it can be pretty confusing, especially when all you want to do is to go outside and to hike a little bit. So I understood what she was saying and I told her how I approached the topic myself. Um, near my home in Northern Virginia, there's a state park called Sky Meadows. They have camping spots that are about a mile away from the parking lot. You're not really backpacking, but it's far enough away from the car that it's simply easier to pack everything up and get to the site. Um, my family and I uh, went there last year and we, we hiked in and, and basically um, my son and I were getting ready for a camping trip up in the Adirondacks in New York. And so we used it as an opportunity to like have a really low threat, quote unquote, backpacking uh, weekend 
by going to the state park and basically hiking in a mile and then setting up camp and doing everything like we would in the woods um, far away um, and then came out and we learned a lot from it. So, you know, I guess the, the point is, is if you want to backpack and you're not sure what you're doing, just find someplace local to you and either take what you have. It can be a really old, um, you know, sleeping bag and tent and just carry it in with you and get it set up and just practice being outside overnight. Uh, a simpler way to do it is just to find a trail and hike it. Um, do a day hike. Uh, one of the things that's happened during the pandemic is that I've simply tried to hike locally. Now, for me, fortunately, I consider the Appalachian Trail a local place to hike. Um, the, at several points in the trail, it's only about an hour away from my house in northern Virginia. Um, and there's plenty of nearby parks and lakes and trails. Sometimes I would just hike or walk three, four, five miles in, throughout my neighborhood. It wasn't a, like a spectacular view, um, but it did get me miles in and helped me, you know, strengthen my legs and get used to carrying things on my back periodically. Although I'm sure my neighbors think I look like a freak. So here's what I recommend. One, find a place to walk or hike. There's, I guarantee you there's someplace beautiful nearby where you can enjoy and kind of get away from the urban landscape if you're in an urban environment. Second, don't spend a lot of money initially. You know, borrow from friends, um, rent. There's places that you can rent from or use what you have and do something simple and easy the first time. And then over time, you know, build up your kit, figure out what you like and what you don't like, and uh, take your time. The last thing I'll note, and I have a note in the, uh, a link in the show notes, is kind of make sure that you have the 10 essentials. The link comes from the American Hiking Society, and what they recommend is that you have for every hike the following 10 items. Item one is appropriate footwear. Item two is a map and compass or GPS. Item three is water. Item four is food. Item five is some rain gear or some quick drying layers, something that um, would dry out more quickly. For instance, something like synthetic shirt or something like that. Item six is appropriate safety items. Seven is a first aid kit. Eight is a knife or multi-tool. Nine is sun protection and 10 is a shelter. Now, depending on the hike that you're doing and whether you're going overnight or over multiple days, that's really gonna determine how much food you bring or what kind of shoes you need. I mean, there's a really big difference between taking a local hike um, where you can wear your tennis shoes or a pair of Converse or something like that versus hiking a 14,000 foot mountain in Rocky Mountain National Park in Colorado. Simil similarly, for many of us, particularly on local hikes, we can just use our phone and check out Google Maps or you know some other preferred mapping program. 
Whereas again, if you're doing something more technical uh, or in difficult, uh, you might want, you know, a spot trans uh, transistor or receiver to kind of show where you might be in an avalanche or something like that. So, you know, all of these items, all these categories, I should say, are important, whether you're day hiking or whether you're uh, hiking uh, on a multi-day hike through some really difficult and technical terrain. But it's it's a matter of gradation. And I think it's a good starting point to think about uh, the general areas that one is in. Uh, the last note I'll leave with is that, you know, over time, um, as you build up your kit and build up what you're going to take with you, you'll find stuff that you like and you find stuff that you don't. There's a lot of stuff at Walmart that works really, really well. You don't always have to go and get the most expensive technical things. Um, in fact, there are whole uh, websites and videos dedicated to finding inexpensive or cheap, uh, cheap kit that works really great. But the point is, is you, you find ways to make do with what you have. And then over time, um, you upgrade your equipment depending upon uh, your need, whether you've worn out the gear that you have or some other other factor like that. I'm in the market right now. I'm looking for a down jacket. I have a synthetic uh, REI uh, puffy jacket. It's worked really well, but it's kind of lost its ability to keep me warm uh, this past year after a good five plus years of use. And so I'm checking out different types of jackets and there's some I'm looking at that make me swoon a little bit, but I'm ready to make that next step towards something uh, down and something truly warm uh, for those shoulder seasons uh, when I want to go out in the, in the woods. So that's where we're at, and uh, that's that's a, probably a pretty long answer to a pretty simple question. But keep it simple. Find someplace local to start with, and then don't get too hung up on what kind of gear you have. Just go outside and hike. That's all I have for today. Thanks for joining me today on this uh, podcast episode, and we'll catch you the next time. Meanwhile, go hike and have fun. Bye.